Folks, we are 60 minutes into the Rick bonus era of Winnipeg Jets hockey. There was some good, there was some bad, and ultimately the Jets fell 4-0 to the Edmonton Oilers. Now, despite the loss and despite what seems like a bit of a, a nasty little shutout, I will actually say that there were some encouraging signs and some things that showed signs of progress heading into the season. We'll talk about what the Jets did well and what they maybe need to work on coming up on tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets. You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to tonight's episode of Locked On Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. Uh, you can follow and subscribe on your fi- favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, Odyssey, and YouTube. We're available every weekday. And of course, we've got content in audio and video form. It'll always keep you up to date on the latest and greatest when you subscribe right now. And of course, uh, like I said, it is free. And uh, we just really love and appreciate your support. Now, on tonight's episode, like I mentioned, I wanted to talk about Winnipeg's performance in the preseason game against the Edmonton Oilers, which, you know, it's a little bit interesting, right? Winnipeg lost 4 nothing. It was the first game for head coach Rick Bonus and the new assistant coaching staff. Uh, you know, I think there were some interesting things to take away. So there are a couple of main points, right? I think the first that I want to say is that the Jets were more aggressive. We've been hearing it from Bonus for several months now that he wants the Jets to be a team that's difficult to play against, um, and that is both offensively and defensively aggressive. Now, what does this mean in in certain respects? Well, for one thing, the Jets really clogged up the neutral zone and really harassed puck carriers, especially as they were trying to transition from zone to zone. This is something that we haven't really seen from Winnipeg in a long time. I guess the last time we really uh, had something like this was when Maurice kind of let the players roam and really create waves of pressure in the 2017-2018 season. But with bonus, he's having just about everyone take part. Now, I will say that given the lineup that we had on Sunday's game, not all of it worked out. You know, there are some players who can really keep up and some guys who maybe aren't really suited to the system. Uh, We'll talk about which of those players really stood out and which ones also stood out, but maybe not in the best light uh, later in this episode. But, you know, from the off, I think um, I was kind of happy to see that the Jets were being ambitious. They were, you know, taking chances a little bit more frequently I thought that they were uh, really making life difficult for some of them, some of Edmonton's puck carriers. You know, anytime they were approaching Winnipeg's blue line and there was a numerical advantage, uh, even then Winnipeg was trying to force turnovers as long as it was safe to do so. Not every opportunity on the rush counters, you know, the Jets could really prevent and deny entries with. But, you know, so long as Winnipeg was able to at least have a couple of guys back, you really did see them um, putting up a fight and being difficult to play against. Uh, I won't say that it really denied tons and tons of zone entries, but at least for the first half of the game, I thought the Oilers didn't have an easy time of it. Um, But of course, that was partly due to, you know, Winnipeg being uh, very fast, very aggressive and very loose. Now, sometimes that did kind of catch them 
uh, out a little bit. I mean, you saw a lot of odd man rushes and encounters and stuff that Edmonton was able to create off of these uh, aggressive pinches and stuff further up the ice, which, you know, I, I think in the regular season, we're not going to see nearly as much of. Um, but I will say, you know, you saw blue lines, uh, blue liners for the Jets dropping really deep inside the opposing offensive zone. They were getting behind the net. They were offering outlets and puck supports for their teammates. And this is stuff that we really didn't see um, in previous seasons. So I was happy to see this. I think it's a welcome change. It's something that I've been asking for for a while because, you know, Winnipeg's forwards are often isolated and kind of put in really tough positions to be uh, the lead creators. Now, I, I think there is obviously um, a, a lot of the onus to create on on the forwards, but you have to also have your blue liners offering support and making a five-man rotational unit. And I think one thing that I really like to see was that uh, the forwards and defenders often rotated, especially towards the the blue line inside the offensive zone where they would swap assignments, they would change uh, you know, different shooting and passing lanes and try to create confusion for the Edmonton defense. Now, I, I will say, I think they took maybe a few too many point shots trying to capitalize on that confusion with tip pucks in front of Stuart Skinner, but I like the idea. It, it didn't always result in anything dangerous, but I think the the principle of trying to uh, throw off those assignments to create confusion and to cause issues in any sort of man marking, I like it. And I think the fact that they were able to cycle the puck quickly and make very short, rapid passes to start stretching that space rapidly, is a, it's a principle that I can get behind. So in that respect, I liked it. I also think the aggression to try and, and make puck carriers really fight for possession, that I also agreed with. I think it's really good to see the Jets doing this because oftentimes under Maurice, they just sat back and allowed opposing puck carriers to kind of have their way. Uh, you know, the, the thought was you don't aggressively pinch. You don't put yourself in a very vulnerable position, but for the Jets, it kind of got them more into trouble than anything. So I think for me, bonus is kind of living up uh, to what he said and, and really putting action behind his words, which, hey, it's a good thing to see, right? Uh, I, I think he's been preaching a lot of the things that I wanted to hear about this year's Jets team. And look, it's going to be a bit of an adjustment process. You could see some guys really weren't handling it all that well. There were a lot of sloppy mistakes, uh, a lot of bad turnovers and passes that were probably a little bit ill-advised. Some guys may be holding on to the puck a little bit too long and then getting themselves into trouble. So yeah, I, I think it's going to be one of those things where it's going to take a few weeks for players to really get on board. And, you know, Sunday night's lineup wasn't exactly what you might call the Jets actual starting unit. So I think it's going to be a while before everyone is on board. But I like some of the early signs and where bonuses head is at. Now, of course, there are some things that I think really need to be worked on. And, you know, part of that's going to be finding the right balance between being aggressive and being reckless. But at least for a start, this was infinitely more watchable than some of the Jets games where they just got dominated in previous seasons. So uh, I guess hat tip the bonus, at least at the very minimum, uh, he kind of lived up to his word and we saw some really interesting changes to how all five skaters work together on the ice. Of course, like I said earlier though, you know, some players have handled this better and some players have handled this not as well as I would hope. Uh, and we'll talk about who those players are and who really stood out in both a positive and a negative aspect in a little bit. But before we go any further, I do want to shout out our friends and partners at Athletic Greens. Uh, our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. 
Athletic Greens offers something called AG1, which I use because, you know, I'm looking for a boost to my daily immune system, uh, to my routine, and I want something that supports a healthy lifestyle, especially as we're heading into flu season. Uh, obviously, COVID's still going around. Lots of different nasty viruses. And it's just good to have a daily habit that keeps your immune system going and keeps you protected against all of life's many travails. So you might be wondering, what is AG1? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system. It gives you energy. It helps you recover. It can help you focus and even make your aging, especially with like your, your skincare and stuff, maybe look a little bit more youthful. Uh, you know, obviously, you've probably had lots of vitamins and stuff, but oftentimes you're taking tons and tons of pills. Well, with AG1, you don't have to worry about that. And more importantly, it's also lifestyle healthy. So whether you're into keto, paleo, you've, you've got vegan desires, uh, or you're looking for a dairy-free or gluten-free item, AG1 covers all of that. And a serving contains less than one gram of sugar. It's also not loaded with any weird chemicals. You know, it's GMO-free. And all of this stuff, you know, it, it really makes it very easy to give you just one scoop uh, that costs a little under three, uh, a little under three dollars a day. It's a micro habit that can really have a major impact on your life and help support your body's fight against everything that you might face on a daily basis. Again, it really is saving you a lot of money because you don't have to buy all those nasty pills. And, it, you know, it's got over seven thousand five star reviews. So really, you, you can't uh, you can't go wrong checking them out. I think it's really worth it. And, you know, they've got some really cool offers right now. It's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, like I said, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. We are talking about Winnipeg versus Edmonton in uh, Rick Bonus's first head coaching performance uh, debut, and obviously, you know, the Jets lost 4 nothing, and you might be thinking, well, that kind of sounds pretty sucky, but... Honestly, I think it wasn't nearly as bad as it sounds. Uh, like I said, the Jets had a really aggressive start, and I think <clears throat> throughout the game that aggression uh, carried in all three zones of the ice, which for me is positive to see. Now, I will say and, and add some things to how I think the personnel need to suit this. You know, there were some players out there who really couldn't keep up. Uh, Logan Stanley had a very tough time with it. You know, Logan is one of those players who I think is best suited to being maybe in a more depth role and as a more complimentary piece who's not always rotating a lot, who's not switching assignments frequently. If you're having him play a more passive, less aggressive game, I think that that tends to suit his lack of mobility well because um, oftentimes in this game, the really rapid counters and transition kind of caught him out frequently and his approach is to kind of be really aggressive on pinches and stuff. But because he can kind of get turn-styled and turned inside out by really fast small skaters like he did frequently in this game, it just really didn't suit his style of hockey. Um, and sometimes he would have to make a zone pass or something uh, to try and create a zone exit, 
and instead it'd get picked off or maybe he'd skate with possession into like two or three Edmonton skaters right in front of David Riddick. So yeah, a bit of a rougher game. Uh, the, the players who I think really handled it well on the back end were players like Dylan DeMello, uh, Leon Gavanki, Declan Chisholm. I think all those guys had really solid nights. Now, I will say that Leon Gavanki also kind of had a couple of moments where he got victimized by you know, some of the same stuff that, that Stanley did. Logan definitely had the roughest night of everyone, but Gavanki had uh, one particular moment where he got stripped of the puck after the power play had expired, and it led directly to a goal against. So, you know, not everyone was handling some of the assignments well. And like I said, it is going to be a major adjustment for this team to kind of get used to the pace of play and how Bonus wants this team to, to operate. But where I will kind of offer something is that I think what I saw out of the system of using really fast, one-touch passing, uh, rapid cycling, a lot of short, quick passes to try and create uh, space and open up opportun- opportunities to transition further up the ice, to me, this is just screaming for Vili Heinola. Uh, Vili has played this system really well when we've seen him do it alongside players like Nate Schmidt. I think that these guys who are really mobile puck carriers who also have really good down, uh, or I guess up ice vision uh, and passing ability, I think that that's really what you want to see. The Jets were trying some long stretch passes, but of course it wasn't always effective. I mean, you didn't really have a forward lineup that I think could make the most of it, but on the whole, I thought uh, the defense tried to move the puck a lot quicker. You didn't see them sitting inside the DZ as much, and you didn't see them just throwing it up along the boards as much as well, which I think is a good thing to see. Uh, Leon Gavanki and Chisholm together, I think, really exemplified what Bonus is after in terms of rapid mobility, good passing, uh, sharp offensive instincts. I mean, those guys were constantly creating opportunities Uh, Chisholm in particular, of course, is a very fun, dynamic player. You can see him kind of drifting along the blue line, operating and really switching and overlapping over routes where he would find those good shooting and passing lanes. He'd maybe dart down the middle, maybe drop back out, and try and open up space for his line mates to feed him so that he could either get a good shooting opportunity or pass it off to somebody he felt was in a dangerous area. So, yeah, really good to see that from the blue line. Um some of the bigger guys like Kovacevic uh, and Stanley, I don't think had as much um, comfort in the system because you do have to be decently mobile and quick to kind of handle this. But, you know, for the more savvy veterans and players who are just faster, either in possession or off the puck, uh, DeMello and the rest, I think those guys were doing pretty well. As far as the forwards are concerned, uh, I, I mean, you, you kind of expect most of the players to sort of maybe struggle to adapt a bit. I thought the forwards as a whole did okay. Um, You know, the guys did have a little bit of trouble getting into the slot area, especially the central area. I think the Oilers really clogged that space up, which is something that we've seen them do in previous seasons. It it can be a little bit frustrating, and I think that's why the Jets were trying a lot of point shots, which I I don't love as much. But again, on the whole, I like those rapid cycles, and I think the Jets – as like a whole, had the right idea. Not all of it worked, but I think the principle of what they were going for made sense to me. Um, I will say some players really stood out in a positive way as well. David Gustafson, I thought, was brilliant. Uh, he was constantly forcing turnovers, keeping offensive zone possessions alive, and I think he just has this attention to detail to where he constantly wants to keep play on the right side of the ice. 
You know, he wants to avoid having to defend. He wants to make that extra effort to keep the puck in play in dangerous areas. And all of that just makes him such a versatile player that I think could really go up and down your lineup no matter what you need out of him. I think that he's a guy who has like a perfect versatile skill set for a middle six role. And in many ways, he's kind of like maybe a second Andrew Kopp for the Jets, although he might be even more of a cerebral player. Now, you know, you might not notice him all the time, but I think that's okay. I think what you want out of him is just a really clean player who executes great passes, who knows how to keep a play alive, and who gives you that extra little bit of effort when the puck might seem to be on the way out of the zone. You might think you're about to lose uh, an offensive zone sequence. Here comes Gustafson to keep it alive. I also saw some praise for Saku Manalainen. I thought he was solid out there. Uh, he was a bit of a wrecking ball trying to create opportunities and force turnovers, using his physicality to really strip the puck. A couple of opportunities he had, to, he had to get into dangerous scoring areas. Didn't always make the right pass uh, on some of those opportunities, but overall, I thought if you're looking for like a depth player, he might have earned a, a, a look at some point. Aside from that, you know, Cole Perfetti had a great game. Dubois, I thought, was just okay. Uh, wasn't really in love with some of the mistakes that he made. Um, but again, it's just a first preseason game. So how much do I really care about it? You know, not that much, right? Especially with the veterans. Uh, you know, those guys, they already know what they have to do. We know that they've generally performed during the regular season. So I'm not going to really fret about that. But I will say Chaz Lucius, I thought, was very fun to watch. I think that he really does need to play out wide. When he's at center, he's a little bit hesitant. And I just feel like he needs that space to roam out wide to get those good shooting and scoring lanes. I think that is where he's going to really thrive. And if you keep putting him down the middle, I just don't know if that quite suits what his game is. Uh, I think you really need to put him in a position to where he can really show off that dangerous release. And I think if you put him at wing, that is more likely to be where he'll thrive. So um, I thought he had a good game. I think he has the opportunity to maybe make a play for... Uh, either the Moose or the Jets. Obviously, I think the Moose is his current landing spot, but but maybe if he has like a really big camp or, or preseason, you know, he'll earn a spot somewhere for an audition. But I think it'll take him some time to really adapt to the pro level. Again, he hasn't had like a normal trajectory over the past uh, year or two, so um, I'm inclined to be a little bit patient with him. But if he can kind of slot in and maybe earn a spot here uh, into Winnipeg's top nine as a scoring winger, I think that that would be the best option because the Jets, quite frankly, need more finishers and sourcing one internally would be a bit of a godsend for this team. So, yeah, you know, I think there were some players who really stood out. Um, but of course, on the whole, I do have a couple of areas for improvement that I think I want to spend some time talking about. And we'll get to those areas in just a little bit. Hello, friends, and welcome back to these closing thoughts on tonight's episode of Locked On Jets. Uh, we're not going to spend a ton of time uh, wrapping up the, this preseason game. Obviously, it was just the first one. And bonus, uh, put out a lineup that I don't entirely think was like your top-end unit, but certainly you had some really talented players out there. Uh, you had some guys from the Moose who were offering some nice support. But given that, <clears throat> I will say that I thought the special teams for me were a little bit lacking. I thought the power play was just okay. I mean, you know, it was a bit of a makeshift unit, but some of the players and where they were being used, I didn't necessarily agree with. Uh, maybe one player in the slot didn't really make sense or somebody on the face-off circles might not be the best choice to, to be the player out, out wide trying to one-time it. So, 
yeah, that one wasn't ideal. I thought the PK was a little bit scrambly as well, which, I mean, it's preseason, right? So are you really going to get too uh, angsty about it? Probably not. Uh, the PK, though, is kind of the, the, the big thing that I think Scott Arneal really needs to show growth with as far as this team is concerned, because we've had like league worst PKing for a long time. And so it'd be nice if we can at least look a little bit decent, a little bit average. And I think it's going to be a while before the Jets PK kind of reaches that level. So uh, something to keep an eye on going forward. I also feel like Winnipeg in general just, you know, struggled to be attentive to the details. I think Winnipeg really liked to be aggressive, but, you know, sometimes they got caught pinching too much. Maybe they made some really ill-advised passes that got picked off. Maybe they held onto the puck a little bit too long and it caused turnover. So again, all of this, I think, is stuff that over time you're going to have to coach out of the players. Uh, it's not something that I think Bonus could really just fix in a matter of months since joining. Uh, I think it would probably take maybe even upwards of half a season to a full season to really ingrain some of these really important principles into the, into the players. But again, I think that's something that can be done. I have confidence that he may may just be the guy to do it. And honestly, if he ends up sticking around past this year, uh, I, I can't say I would hate the idea so long as we're getting results and the team is showing progress and development. It's really way too early to say that he's going to be the right guy to lead this team in the future. But already there were some interesting changes to their habits that I think are, are worth keeping an eye on. Now, I will say the goaltending position might be a bit of an issue past Hellebuck. Uh, Riddick didn't really wow me tonight. I remember saying, oh, he looks kind of solid earlier in the game. And then I took my dog out for like my dogs out for like two minutes, came back and the scoreline went from two nothing to four nothing. So uh, evidently he didn't have great rebound control in the few minutes that I was out. Um, and, you know, you look at the backup depth chart and it's not really deep, right? Riddick, Berdeen, uh, home, maybe D. Vicentis had a stretch. So Winnipeg is going to have to figure that out. And Riddick is probably going to have to become big save Dave at some point for this team. Am I going to freak out about it right now? No, but <laughs> longer term, I might start to break a little bit of a sweat. So it's something that I want to keep an eye on. Um, aside from that, I mean, it, it's again, it's just the first preseason game. So I'm going to try and view this in a more holistic sense. Signs of growth, some signs of progress, still a lot of work to be done and still probably far away from being a playoff team. But hey, Every journey of a thousand steps, be, you know, starts with a single, uh, single step. So let's hope that Winnipeg can really uh, kind of wow us and show us just how far they can go this season, and hopefully set up some future good habits so that you know, as this future core is starting to be assembled, Winnipeg puts itself on the right path towards success. I'd be curious to know what you think of this game and what you thought of some of the, some of the players out there who stood out for you positively. Who are you waiting to see really step up? Uh, Brad Lambert hopefully comes back. Uh, same with Morgan Barron. Both had been dealing with some injuries. Um, so let's hope that it's just short-lived and that they can both play in the next couple of days. But, uh, you know, for tonight's episode, that is going to be all the time that we have. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Jets your first listen of the day every day. Be sure to make your second listen, Locked on NHL. Our experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the world of hockey, all at your fingertips. And as always, subscribing is free. So be sure to do so right now. And as always, thank you for listening. Have a great night. Go Jets go.